0: For all those who are holding tickets outside, we're getting as fast as they
1: can. I'm speaking out to you, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm speaking to the crowd on the outside. We seem to be standing where reluctant to come in, and we're going to start this very soon. 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 Welcome to Worthy's 2022 Halloween special. My name is John. And I'm Ben. And today we want to talk about our top five favorite horror movies of all time and we're simply going to go from five to one but before we jump into our favorite horror movies of all time I wanted to talk a little bit about our introduction to horror films into the spooky world and I wanted to start off by asking you Ben how you really got introduced to horror is there a particular movie that you remember being introduced did your older brother or did your family kind of introduce you to the horror genre or specific movie?
0: Yeah, so I think uh, my introduction to horror it could kind of spoil the list that we're gonna be doing and talking about because those movies are on there. But I will say that one of the earliest movies that I remember, and you're gonna find this funny, that I remember my my dad being like, "Oh, that might be a little too scary for you." Is Batman Returns with the Penguin, and <laughs> I, I think like, you know, I was probably like maybe five or six where I was like oh there's there's this Batman movie dad like we have this VHS can we watch this and he's like ah maybe not that one and then watching I'm like okay I can see where like the penguin like Danny DeVito's penguin is like a little scary for a kid maybe a little too intimidating but that was like definitely that was probably the first time that I remember being like oh there's something called horror and then I remember going to Tower Records as a kid and going through all the different CDs and they had a big movie section there was definitely a ton of horror movies and and displays that i was just like "Ah, i don't i don't want to be near that that's not for me but then (laughs) as i got older i think i was fifth grade and one of the movies that i will talk about in the top five i dressed up as that character and then i kind of just got into the genre i'm not like the most well-versed horror person you're very well-versed in horror in the genre and it's a genre that i definitely respect but it's also a genre at times where i can find it to be a little too goofy. And I think that's just how people take in horror and, and what kind of horror they like. I know some people really enjoy the kind of wacky out there, just randomness, kind of go- like goofy horror. But some of the times I really like the suspense, the thrillers, the kind of, okay, there's a monster in this movie. If I feel like there's a monster in my house right now, like that's going to get me. That's from this movie type of thing. So uh, so bring it all back. Batman Returns, Dane DeVito, you're the first scary monster in my entire life. <laughs>
1: that's great i love that that's a great story and i, I do want to get back to, to your perspective on horror because that is really interesting And i've always uh not admired is not the right word but I've always been very curious about like your perspective on that and and where like comedy i guess kind of comes in horror and, and where it kind of crosses the line uh but uh, in summary for me it, it's kind of funny for me horror came. Obviously, there was the blockbuster age, which we would grow up and go to the blockbuster pretty close to my house, and, you know, looking down the many aisles of horror movies, horror movies are really sold by, like, their amazing posters, so thinking about some of like the iconic imagery of our favorite slashers or our favorite like universal monsters. And I, I just always loved going down the aisle because it felt like as a kid, you weren't supposed to be walking down there, right? You're seeing blood, you're seeing like women's shirts being ripped open. Like there's a lot of sexuality that comes with horror as well. So it was always just enticing as a kid to kind of like peek behind that, that curtain in a way. But I think a, a lot of horror for me came, which is really funny enough from parodies it came from the scary movie series, where growing up, being born in like the mid 90s, they were very popular, you know, starting in early 2000s, they became really popular way to like take a bunch of horror franchises and spoof them and make a, a kind of fun parody out of them. But what's interesting about some of those Saw films, or excuse me, some of those uh, scary movie films, is that they, they actually can be pretty scary. And they can be pretty scary at moments for especially a kid who, you know, has heard about the The Freddy's and all these kind of like scary, scary monsters or these scary people that, you know, are serial killers. And then to have it kind of imbued in this comedy made it a little bit easier to watch, like a little like easier to kind of break down and understand as a kid because there was like some levity to it as well. But uh, those always enticed me to kind of go in and be like, oh, the original movie is kind of about Scream and wanting to watch Scream and how the third one is about... Uh, All sort like the ring and you know wanting to like go and figure out more about these movies that they're being made fun of and that they're movies that they're parodying so then that led me you know to discovering all the the fun craziness when it comes to horror movies and I I love most uh you know slasher films and the, the zombie is not like my favorite territory but I've watched a lot of U.S. and domestic horror films but I definitely have a big gap when it comes to like Korean or Japanese and a lot of foreign horror films that I would love to watch and there is definitely a horror film on your list that is a huge gap in my horror knowledge uh, so I'm excited to talk about that as well but yeah I wanted to mention a little bit about what you talked about of there's this thing in, in horror where it crosses a line sometimes of being comedy and a mixture of like comedy with horror and sometimes Things happen in horror movies that people find hilarious, and other times people will be like, that's appalling, that's very like graphic or offensive, Like I don't think you can laugh at something like that. And that's where something like the horror genre becomes so interesting, because there's this difference of opinion that people have with this genre, because it's a difference based on... Probably their life experiences and and how they see certain things, but there are some people that love horror movies and they specifically look for horror movies that have a lot of humor in them that either are like so outlandish or so goofy or that maybe they weren't intended to be like poorly made but they are a really low budget '80s horror movie that has kind of become a cult classic. And there's definitely a weird passion that people have where they are kind of seeking this so bad it's good kind of film when it comes in horror and it's I always found that really interesting because no one really does that for any other genre I would say you know like not even an action genre like maybe that's like the, the other genre you could kind of stretch to where people act that way but you're never going to talk to someone who's like I'm looking for that like hilariously bad rom-com like no one's looking for that they want a good rom-com that's funny and has relatable characters but there's something about the horror genre that people just love, like, the schlock and the campiness. And I think that may come from, you know, the murder and the horror and just having it be kind of corny and, and not as terrifying as it should be is, is kind of funny in a way. But I also agree with you. I I personally love both kinds. I love, you know, the schlock, the really goofy side of things. And I also love the horror that you sound like you like a lot more, which is the, the more serious, the more psychological, the more kind of, uh, in, in real life, things that could possibly happen, I would say. Uh, but <clears throat> yeah, tell me a little bit about that. Like, Why do you think people feel that way about the horror genre in particular? And, and why do you kind of lean away from that into more psychological thrillers? Yeah, so I want to fixate on that word schlock
0: and schlocky horror movies. Uh, I won't say a name, but we do have a very good friend who loves schlocky horror movies. And there have been many times where I've gone over to their place and they pop it on and I'm just like, why? Like, why are we watching this? And I think what it is, is that it's not, I think that it's a like the people who make the film do care about the medium of filmmaking, but they kind of just take it away. and Like, oh, well, how goofy can we go with this? And while still making it bloody and gory, but it just becomes so goofy and out there that it's kind of a waste for what you could do with it. And especially because there are movies I really love in the horror genre that, are bloody, gory, psychological that really get kind of like stick into your mind and you're kind of, you know, you're, 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 you breathe heavily, you grip the edge of your seat. And when I'm watching those movies, I'm like, this isn't as engaging. It's not as fun for me. And I respect that other people do like it. But then at certain times, I'd rather just watch other things. There's other things I'd rather. So my time with it, I've noticed that people who, you know, I've talked to plenty of people who do like the schlocky stuff that are into all this like gory shit. They're not into the same things that I am to the things that I really love and want to sink my teeth into. And I, that's just how people's opinions and the way it works. So w- whether it's like truly like one thing I can pinpoint with these like schlocky horror movies, I don't think there is one thing. I think it's just a matter of preference and taste because it's all part of the same genre. And that's the, I think the best thing about horror is the amount of subgenres that are in it. I think that, a thing that we struggled when we've talked uh, on our main you know, podcast episodes is when we get to a musical or a drama that isn't necessarily a drama, but it's an epic, but it does a lot of self-identity, but there's some comedy, but there's still some drama in there. And I think that with horror, you can clearly put something into a lane and say like, no, this is the subgenre that it belongs to. This is how this movie fits. This is where this connection, this is where it takes inspiration from. And I think that's like one of the best things about horror is that it can, there's so many different, Approaches, and I think that a lot of people. There are a lot of great um, artistic directors who take from the horror genre and put into their own movies. You know, think of like Kubrick. He has The Shining as part of his repertoire, and it that does not the same. He doesn't make that kind of movie over and over again. Scorsese does Cape Fear, but how many Scorsese movies are horror movies? You have Tarantino, who does Death Proof, and that's kind. It sits on the horror kind of a genre it's more of like part, it's part of that whole like slaughter was slaughterhouse right that that combo yeah. uh, movie did mm-hmm. uh and i think that everyone like a lot of great directors will go back to horror i mean now thing of spielberg with, with jaws like that is part of a repertoire but it's not like the main thing so it kind of just shows like there it is a great genre and you can do a lot of great things of it with the medium of film and then going back to my original point with the schlocky movies is that they don't they don't I'm not going to say they were disrespected, but it's not the what you can ultimately do with it. You can do more, you can have more, but they want to have fun with it, and I respect that, but it's just not for my own personal taste.
1: Yeah, I totally get that. I totally understand that point of view because sometimes it I do feel that other side where something that is goofy or has a, a kind of goofy finished product when it comes to the film, the performances, maybe how it looks... I think sometimes it's frustrating because a lot of horror films have to have, usually most of the time, a decent story or a decent premise. And sometimes when it's not executed in a very like serious manner, it kind of it feels like it's underwhelming or it could have been better. So I totally understand that point of view. And if you're listening and are curious about all the fun subgenres and all the many subgenres of horror, you can go back to our last Halloween special where we kind of reviewed some of our favorite horror movies, what kind of Halloween means to us, and as well as the horror subgenres. So I think it is time to move to our top five horror films of all time and moving forward i would like to do this every year so it would be fun to see you know some of the new movies that we watch maybe a new film comes out and that somehow makes it into our top five or we watch a classic film that we watch and say damn this deserves to be on my top five horror films of all time and like most films we're on a film filmic journey right and we're we're not going to have seen everything we're not going to see some of the classics or every one of the universal classic films but I think we've created a, some, a pretty decent list here for ourselves. So, Ben, let's start out with you on your number five.
0: So my number five is The Mist, the 2007 film directed by Frank Darabont. Uh, and it's one of the it's actually the last film that he has directed. It came out in 2007. So he just hasn't... I don't know why he hasn't made anything since, but this movie was... It, it was really fantastic to me. I remember watching it as, as a kid... And the monsters are really scary. The idea that, and based off of Stephen King novel, the idea that this mist comes over this town and all of a sudden these monsters start coming out and they're trapped in this one location and they're just struggling fighting to get out to survive, not letting the monsters in. And this, and the story, you know, it's very suspenseful. It, I'm very, I'm very into it. But then the ending of the movie, the ending of the movie is one of my favorite endings because it's a downer. And I'm not gonna, you know. Should we say spoilers? This is a spoiler podcast. I know there's some movies that we don't want to spoil to each other. We haven't seen, but I don't know, John. Should we? Should I, we we spoil? both
1: we've both seen this. I I say spoil ahead. Okay, so spoilers if you haven't seen the mist. All right,
0: so spoilers for the mist, but the
1: ending where the main character he
0: is in the car with his son, this woman that he has like this emotional romantic relationship with. It, it's kind of odd. It's not like fully fleshed out. I think it's two older people, and the decision is well i just have to kill you all with the four bullets i have left in my gun and then as after he kills him he goes outside thinking the mist will take him and the mist disappears and the army arrives and everybody survives except he has to look on like what the fuck did i just do and that sort of ending is kind of like the monster wins and similar to a movie that came out recently smile i like that because the ending is the monster sort of wins so it's it's very uh, it's very shocking, I think, to have that happen. and and that's like one of the psychological things that I love of horror is you're thinking the entire time that, okay, maybe there will be a way. Oh, no, there is no way. they're gonna get defeated. That's sad. But then the twist is, oh fuck, there was a way. And that's ultimately why I think the mist has stuck out to me that this was a hard five. five was the hardest one for me to figure out because there are other movies. That were battling for it. I think the closest one that could have gotten to it was Saw, which also has a great ending uh in reveal at the
1: end. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: you know, so that that's what twi- I, I love twists. I love how movies end and horror movies
1: have a great ending. It makes it a very good watch for me. Absolutely. That's one of the hardest parts I think about the genre is just landing that finale. And I think the miss is a great choice to have on a top five. I think the only really issues I've remember from the film it's been a little bit is you know some of the cgi doesn't hold up with the the monsters that is kind of dated but you know frank darabont is one hell of a director and one hell of a writer i mean he made one of my favorite movies of all time the shawshank redemption and you asked where has he been why hasn't he made anything and that comes down to the walking dead i think so basically, what happened? The Walking Dead. He he originally was the showrunner, I believe, and and writer for the first uh, first season, I think, and that was 2010. So it was ten. It was three years after 2007's The Mist. I think it was a big deal for him. The show was extremely successful, and they basically tried to like boot him out to get. I think new people in for a cheaper a cheaper amount, and I'm really generalizing here what actually happened, but it came into this whole lawsuit, really messy, classic Hollywood of just you know people fighting at you know with their hands, scraping to get money that they're owed for shows, and it's funny that another horror franchise which has become you know, one of the biggest horror franchises of all time, especially when it comes to television like The Walking Dead, how that kind of broke our boy Frank Darabont. So great choice for number five. Moving on to my number five favorite horror film of all time, that is 2011's The Cabin in the Woods, directed by Drew Goddard. And this film stars a very young Chris Hemsworth of the time, and basically follows a group of kids, classic horror premise, who go to a cabin for a fun, horny weekend, and horrors begin to come out of the cabin. Let me just say that. And if you haven't seen this movie, I'll probably spoil just the basic premise. I think if you haven't seen The Cabin in the Woods, it's, it's a really wonderful film that just loves horror movies, and they wear horror movies on their sleeve. And there's always something I love I think I mentioned it early on with scary movies and and that whole quadrilogy I love films that parody movies but there's nothing quite like a parody that is also so damn good at being a horror movie and you'll see another movie on my list that it's very similar in terms of tone and the way they executing being a love letter to horror movies but also being pretty damn scary as a movie itself and i think the cabin in the woods not only sets up a really fun awesome science fiction premise but it also has all the fun that you get from a horror movie you know who's going to be the final girl why is she the final girl why is she the last one uh you know to survive and and maybe we kind of dive into some of these cliches in horror movies the the cliche monsters we get to see so much in this movie and I just love a movie that gives you everything. You know, it, it tries to go for it, and it's funny. You have your classic slutty character, your stoner, your handsome jock, and your nerd. You know, it, it this movie is so written, written so perfectly, and it gets all of the beats that a horror movie should. And like I said, it, it makes a film that is also still scary. I think the main villain or monster, these kind of like hillbillies zombies i'll call them uh are great they're super creepy and they're haunting these young group of kids and the movie is just full with twists and turns and i think i love it from that point on you know from the very opening credits of how we're thrown into this world that is you know holding all of these monsters and they kind of are basically testing and, and having bets on who can survive and which monster will kill which person and all the craziness that comes from the cabin in the woods. So I gave my number five to The Cabin in the Woods from 2011. Ben, what is your number four? So my number four, and this is maybe a recency
0: bias, but I chose it, the 2017 version. And I say that more because it was a kind of a bonding experience with not just you, but but friends of mine from, from back home. And I I saw it with them and we all loved it. And I know I was talking about schlock and sometimes, you know, comedy and movies can be a little, and horror movies can be a little like, eh, for me. But the Pennywise character portrayed by Bill Skarsgård is horrifying, but hilarious at the same time. There are so many great moments where I cackle with laughter of what Pennywise is doing Number one being, uh, I think it was the character is Mikey when he's getting beat by the bullies by near the riverbed, and he turns over and he sees Pennywise like eating a child's hand, and Pennywise <laughs> just like waves it, smiling. Oh my god, is that hilarious? But then I shit myself. You know, scenes later when he's popping out of the projector, or he's. Uh, scaring them in his little in his haunted house, you know the the teeth, how big his mouth gets, like that is horrifying. But it's funny when he's dancing, you know, in that little trolley thing at towards the end of the movie. So it's one of those movies that I think is a great, a great homage to other horror. It's a great character and villain and Pennywise. It's more modern, so I think that because of that, the approach is more technical. It, it can do more. The the visuals are more in your face whereas when you watch the original it movie or other horror movies as a kid you thought were like really like ah that's so scary but now you're just like oh well that's made in the 80s it's made in the 90s it's not as scary (laughs) but this is this is more recent so it's like it's scarier keeps you on the edge and uh yeah i loved i just absolutely love pennywise i uh, you can constantly hear me go hiya georgie and (laughs) (laughs) hiya georgie hiya georgie and uh you know, come down to the sewers and play and you'll float too. I just, oh, I love it. I love, and and that's where a character, it's a great example where a character can really enhance a movie and really bring it all to you without any other thing in the movie factoring into that. Um, I think, I'm not saying that Skarsgård is Heath Led, like Heath Ledger's Joker, but Heath Ledger's Joker does a similar thing where just that alone is what brings you into the Dark Knight. And that's, not including any of the other fantastic things about The Dark Knight, and to a similar effect, that's what Bill Skarsgård does with Pennywise. I was actually a little bullish that during that year, I was like, he should just get like a Best Supporting Actor nom because it's like that in your face and that good from that year. But you know, you can't always get what you want. But yeah, def- it number four for me. Love it. Don't love Chapter Two, but again, Bill Scarsgard knocks it out of the park as Pennywise in that one as well.
1: I think you're absolutely right, and you know, Pennywise is just a wonderful character, and and Skarsgard did really bring that character to life, and I don't think it's crazy to to say that he deserved it. I think a lot of people would be like, "Oh, well, it's makeup and it's special effects," but you know, you could say that about any role, and you could say that about Heath Ledger's Joker. So, yeah, but like the you dro- know, like the drooling, the mannerisms that he does with that character oh, is yeah. so sinister. Um, uh, absolutely. And I think that's what that movie does so well is create a character who you can laugh at at times, and is a character that you are like so interested in, and you kind of like this character, even though he you're so scared by him, right? Like you're so fa- fascinated by just how odd he is, and uh, if he's human or if he's not, or what what he is really. And yeah, let me let also me just,
0: let me just read off the best supporting actor uh, for 2017. So Sam Rockwell <laughs> won for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. That that's a great performance. Then we have Willem Dafoe in the Florida Part project, another great performance. Woody Harrelson again in three billboards. Really good. Richard Jenkins in The Shape of Water. All right. But this is the one you gotta take out. Christopher Plummer and all the money in the world. Like that was just because he replaced <laughs> Kevin Spacey and they they did all that. And he's Christopher Plummer. Like, why not? Like that could have been a perfect spot where you're like. Let's honor it, because like they, they definitely, I definitely remember the, where they have that like 10-minute Oscar clip or movie clip at the beginning of the Oscar. They're showing all the great stuff. There's 100% a Pennywise insert shot in there of Bill Skarsgård, and they couldn't even nominate him. So that's my little Oscar rant for the episode.
1: <laughs> You're absolutely right. And Defoe should have won that year. I, I love Florida Project. You're not wrong. Alrighty, moving over to my number four. I'm going with 1996 classic Scream. This is directed by Wes Craven. And what what is there to be said about the classic Scream that hasn't been said? You know, we're on the fifth movie. I think they're done now filming the sixth, and it's supposed to take place in New York. I'm so excited for that. I love a classic horror film or a franchise and just do something weird like you know throw them in New York or throw them in space with <laughs> Jason X and just doing crazy stuff with the franchises I love it but focusing on the original the 1996 Scream just what a what a wonderful movie it is exactly similar in the the way that I feel about The Cabin in the Woods where it's it's something that feels fresh but it's also very much you know hitting these beats It's it's commenting on a lot of our our fantasies, the things that we love about horror movies. You know, there's sometimes there's nothing scarier than just a killer talking to you on a cell phone and the amount of fear that he can bring up in your life by just telling you things that like are very personable. You know, the opening scene with Drew Barrymore is one of the most iconic opening films ever. I think if you were to just It's definitely one of the most iconic. It's up there with the opening to to Halloween. You know, there's so many amazing things from Scream that have not only commented on the previous horror up until that point in the 90s, but it also kind of extended and pushed horror further, repopularized horror and slasher movies. And I think that then later on led to the mid-2000 kind of reboot remake era where we see a lot of remade uh, or sequels that have been kind of repurposed and remade off of uh, these older franchises, but you know, Scream is just amazing. It's in this perfect time where we're seeing the growth of technology and how that kind of changes movies and how technology allows us to talk about more movies, to maybe obsess over movies, to obsess over maybe like people like serial killers, or you know, it, it really expands on. Our viewpoint, our obsession over horror movies, over slashers, and over real-life deaths as well. But it also is hilarious. It's a really funny movie. I think Wes Craven is you know, one of the best horror directors of all time, and he knows exactly how to make something very scary and build up the tension uh, with Ghostface as the killer, but he's still also has such a witty sense of humor and he's so good at creating these like fun original characters that are spunky and and have a lot of bite to their character and I I absolutely love love this movie I mean obviously we've seen this series grow so much over time with David Arquette and Courtney Cox and Rose McGowan kind of becoming such an important part of the series um over time, but absolutely love Scream. I think it's a movie that I can continually go back and watch every year and I really love the franchise and how it's kind of changed and, and adapted over time. Yeah, you definitely
0: know when a you definitely know when a movie has uh maintained its hor- its like place in the horror genre where everybody wears a scream mask as a kid. It's the, <laughs> yes, it's absolutely. a constant uh you know part of the Halloween costume and, and getting getting dressed up. I I think I even wore one once as a kid. I remember I remember the coolest thing about a screen mask was when it had like a heart that you could squeeze and it would put like Hell blood yeah. into them. You you remember <laughs> yes. exactly what I'm I talking about. I know exactly about. what you're yeah, talking that, about. Yeah, that. Yeah, I don't think kids today get to experience that kind of uh, fun <laughs> when they dress up. But yeah, you know screen definitely stands the test of time. Um, but moving on to my number three, uh, and this is a movie that I have been trying to watch with John for a very long time. Uh, and Don't hate John for this. He's just a baby. He's innocent. It's not his fault. There's a, a ton of things out there. But my number three is Rosemary's Baby, 1968, directed by Roman Polanski. And uh, again, it fits into that psychological thriller, what the fuck is going on type of thing uh, that I love in movies. And I'm trying not to like say too much without revealing too much to John. Uh, but, you know, another movie that I felt could have, that it's a more modern version of this is Hereditary. I'll s- stop it from there. I won't say much else. But, yeah, Rosemary's Baby, uh, I love it. It's a movie that I will go and show people when they're like, oh, what's a good, like, thriller? I'm like, you should watch this. And uh, it just, the ending is really good. But it's just a whole build-up throughout the whole movie that, like, keeps your heart racing that you're, what the hell is going on? how like how are they involved how is this person involved like it's so good and um yeah i don't want to s- say too much cuz then i'll start spoiling it but uh i am going to get john to watch this movie if i have to strap him down and clockwork orange him myself
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's not intentionally i'm i'm not avoiding this movie it's it's kind of been one of those films that has built up over time so much that it's now become this enigma that i'm like uh when is the right time to watch it it feels like there's got to be a perfect moment for me to be like, all right, it's finally time. I'll do it. Well, do you,
0: do you know maybe what Rosemary's baby is a reference to? No, I have
1: no clue. All right, then we're not going to even try and speculate (laughs) here. (laughs) No, no, yeah, I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole to kind of see where it might lead and tell me more about the movie, but I've kind of, yeah, yeah. I've kind of tried to separate myself from it as much as possible. And, I've seen Repulsion another Polanski film that I think a lot of those a lot of the time those two movies are kind of put together in terms of Polanski's films and they have some stylistically kind of similar things about them but it's it's a movie I've always always wanted to watch and I think this Halloween this this season the last kind of week or so we have left here it's it's finally time. I think another thing about that movie is I've heard just how it can be quite traumatic and a movie that's like two and a half hours that's that heavy sounds like a lot sounds I, like a lot i don't know
0: i i, I didn't find it traumatic but i can definitely see where the suspense of what's going to happen and as you're watching for the first time you're just not not having any idea what's going on i think it's similar to what i was saying to like the like the modern version of it is hereditary um and maybe you're, you're not going to pick up on why it, it's like that until you watch that movie so I think we should just move on. You give me your number three. And uh, hopefully this time next year, we're just doing a straight up Rosemary's
1: Baby review. Maybe that's the 2023 (laughs) episode. That's it. That would be fun. That would be fun. My number three for my favorite horror movie of all time, currently in 2022, is 2014's The Babadook, directed by Jennifer Kent. Man, man, man. This is my most recent film uh, that right after The Captain in the Woods. This is 2014, so, you know, I'm like one year out of high school. I was not expecting to absolutely adore this film, and it's the only, yeah, I think so. It's our only female director across the board on our entire list, really because there's just not enough female directors, obviously, in the entire industry, but there's also just not enough uh, in the horror genre as well. And, man, I really love The Duke for every everything honestly it is such a good movie I think it's up there with being called a perfect film it's exactly an hour and 34 minutes and every damn minute of this movie is tense anxiety inducing, and it just creates such a great monster and I hope it's one of those movies where you create such a good monster but it I just hope it's never made into a sequel it's not a movie that you're kind of having fun watching this slasher go after of our characters. It's really heartbreaking. It's it's about a single mother trying to take care of her child and she's reading him this children's book and the children's book is kind of manifesting with evil and it goes a lot deeper and darker until it manifests the Baba Duke who is then kind of haunting them as a family. And it's a really simple, straightforward premise, but it's done and executed executed with such precision and every shot feels so intentional and sharp and the sound mixing is is aggressive and has a bite to it every time it switches from scene to scene and it is so real and heartbreaking while at the same time all being like a large metaphor for you know grief and loss and when a movie can combine those and and have such a great story that it's trying to tell and that leaves you with an emotional impact and it's really one of those films too where you kind of Get what it is by the end of it and especially the last scene or the last two scenes i should say and after you kind of get a feeling of what they're kind of going for it's one of those horror movies that just gets better when you watch it again and i think that's a really big rarity for horror films is that usually after you watch them it's like okay i saw the kills i had my laugh i had fun i got scared i can move on to the next thing something that's scarier or bigger whatever But there's not many horror films where you can kind of go back and watch them and they're continuously great and they're continuously making you scared and you care about the characters every single time. And not all films, when you go back and watch them, do you notice more details and you pick apart the film even more and you start to see like, oh, like there are hints here that I just didn't pick up on when I first watched it. The first two times I watched it and man. It is just an absolutely beautiful movie. I think it's one of the scariest films on my list, and anyone should go watch the Babadook if you haven't seen it. I think it's a, a quite a good time. It's both haunting, scary, and has a great story and message when we kind of wrap it up in the end.
0: Yeah, that's actually a movie that on your list that I haven't seen yet, and that is it's definitely a movie that I know is out there that I should go see. And seeing the poster and, and some of the stills from the movie i'm like okay i can definitely see why that is <laughs> that is so scary and i think we should take a second to be to talk about um just what really makes like a horror movie like what makes it stand out especially on our list because i feel like looking at it like we have movies that are more like they're classic but they're not like in your face gory like this is so scary and and maybe the Duke does fit that and i had a hard time while making my list because i was uh, I was like, well, what, what is a, a best horror movie for me? And and I categorize it as more the psychological stuff. But I did think, oh, do I really need something that's like so gory and so in your face that it makes you frightened almost? And maybe that's just not my personal favorite, but I think that that is essential to a horror movie, if that makes sense.
1: No, you're absolutely right. I think there's definitely a, a film we'll get to later on on your list that is it has that definitely it has that kind of like punch that visual nature that is so kind of unbelievable that you're seeing what you're seeing in a movie and that it's like so insane that they were able to like reconstruct something and and make it look as real as it does and that certainly is is very traumatic and horrifying when you see something that's gory or violent and But it's funny, when I look at my list, none of my films are really like that. I think when you look at, so far, The Cabin in the Woods is probably the most gory film that's probably on my list. But that's because it's trying to pay homage to, like, every kind of horror film. It's trying to pay homage to the murder slashers, to the monsters, to, like, the humans that are the real, you know, horror in the world. So... It kind of tries to do a lot. So I think I usually love movies that are just kind of a combination of, of multiple things. Or it's just a really focused, tight film. Uh, like The Duke which is a psychological kind of thriller where you're just like holding on. And it's, it's a good mixture of psychological thriller with also being kind of a monster movie. But a good kind of combination of the two of them. But yeah, you're right. I, that's not what I look for in my best or most memorable kind of horror films you know I do love some of those crazy like underground slasher films from the 70s where they're like insanely gory and it's like so vibrant red the blood and or the Dargento films that are just insane and things like Suspiria that are really violent and oh I yeah thought about there, there's something definitely to those. Yeah. Yeah. It's a terrifying movie. There's definitely something to those. And even films like Saw or the or The Fly, you know, I think Saw is kind of like they're they're scary for sure, but they've kind of they've become more almost action films in a way where like this death scenes have kind of like built up to be like an action scene almost where as the franchise goes on it becomes less and less scary, but I don't know. I think you're definitely hitting on something where usually people's favorites are not the crazy, gory, just, you know, Fangoria, balls to the walls, you know? Yeah, and the Saw movies
0: definitely go to that extreme, but I can appreciate what some of the Saw movies do, and, oh man, have you seen, like, mo- all the Saw movies? I've seen all of them, Yeah, yeah I just love how connected they are, and how... They pull off some <laughs> of the things they do in those movies. That's what makes them
1: so great and so bad at the yeah. same time.
0: I mean, exactly. They're so like those can be schlocky at times, but then at other times you're like, wow, that was that was really well thought out in terms of how it connects. And what is it? Three and five happen at similar times. Is that? I forget. There are two. There are two of the I, movies I, I that. Can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember right now. There, there are two of the movies that are happening at the same time, and 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 then when you get to that reveal, at I think it's the later one. You're like, oh my god, wait a second. Hold, hold on. Mm. And and that's the fun yeah. part of what you can do. I think of these movies that I think it's harder to do with others, and um, so I just wanted to take a second to talk about just gore and and how, as even though we don't really have too much of that on air, that's still important, but. Uh, let me turn to my number two this is the least gory one probably on my list and that's okay because it's one of the best ones ever made and that is Alfred Hitchcock's 1960 Psycho and I love Psycho Psycho was one of those movies that I watched early on in my film loving career in life that I was blown away I loved the psychological aspects of it I loved how it it's about the killer, and it gets into the mind of the killer. What Hitchcock was getting to was so fascinating, in, in how he wanted to tell this story. The roadblocks that were put up for this movie, and and how ridiculous some of the things like it showed a toilet being flushed for the first time. Like that's interesting, but then the characters itself, Norman Bates is, it's so sinister, and and when you see some of the scenes in the beginning of the movie, it, it's so like, oh my God, like this is truly like thrilling. Like my heart is racing and I love it. I love the reveals. I love the twists and turns. I like all like what Hitchcock does to further the medium of film in the movies. And it's a movie that I forced my little sister to watch when she was, I think like 10 or 11 years old. I was like, you got to watch this. I'm sitting you down. I'm forcing you to watch this. I scare the crap out of her, but it was worth it. Uh, It's a movie that I think that if you're trying to Enter just the film as a whole is a must watch. I think it's a very important film in many regards, but for the horror genre, it's one of the best. I know, like, there are tons of movies that came before it. There's the Dracula's, the Frankensteins, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, there's Invisible Man, there's all those like classic monster movies, but then Psycho comes out. I think that starts to change the game a little bit. And to me, this is a movie that stuck true and through. I think that it is influenced so much. It influences my number one in many ways, and it still continues to influence movies. So Psycho, Hitchcock, we wouldn't be here without the master
1: suspense and belong to my top five. That is a great choice. And that was so close to making my list. I was, I was really struggling with it and kind of where to, to put it. And it almost wasn't my number five, but I just love the Cabin in the Woods so much, such a great time, and I really love Psycho, but it's not a film that I go back and watch very often. It is such a great, a great film, and I love the way it kind of changes and, and turns into a different film, and how much it's gone on to, you know, inspire slasher films and the horror genre in general. And I really think you should watch uh, Barbarian because Barbarian is like this weird homage to Psycho but it's almost like the reverse anti-Psycho so I really want you to go see this year's Barbarian because it's great and it's Mm -hmm. wild and man Psycho I mean it's incredible I mean the shower scene alone is just one of the most like iconic moments in film ever and how many different crazy shots they use and that is a perfect example of something being very violent, but also not showing that much, especially from what we're used to and what we will later see in the seventies. But what a wonderful, what a wonderful freaking movie, and, and definitely one of my favorite in terms of Hitchcock's films.
0: Yeah, it, it's my a movie.
1: Number... No, it, I was just gonna say it's just a movie that is
0: it holds such importance that uh, that, and I know like you want me to go see *Barbarian*. I definitely it was. I think today, I think today it's on HBO Max, right? So maybe I'll pop it on. After there this, you know. I know I didn't go see it in theaters, but uh turn yeah. the lights off when you do. <laughs> Don't turn the lights off? No, turn the lights oh, off. Oh turn the you. lights off. Fuck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. just that that's I still get scared of turning the lights off after watching a horror movie. Like when I came back after oh, watching yeah. Smile, I swear to God I was seeing stuff
1: in the corner of my eyes.
0: <laughs> swear to God.
1: Well, I haven't felt that feeling of like on edge and, and seeing shadows or seeing people that aren't there than when i watched barbarians so oh, i'm excited God. to see what you th- i'm excited to ugh. see what you think hereditary is probably the last film that i watched where i was like all right this is uh, this is not I good s- for my my brain i stood up in the theater when uh
0: during one of those shots where she's hiding in the corner and ugh, yeah, terrifying God. Just wanted to scream. So crazy, and I'll never forget this. Just because now we're going on a hereditary rant for a second. When I first watched Midsummer, I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go to a 10:30 at night showing of Midsummer." (laughs) A little, a little stoned and watching it, and I walked out at two in the morning, like, "Oh God, where are the Swedes? The Swedes are going (laughs) to attack me. The Swedes are going to attack me."
1: Oh my God! You're like, I'm never going there. Never, never seeing a horror movie at 10 o'clock at night again. Going during the day. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, Hereditary, I mean, if we're going to just throw that out there, I do think that's one of like the best horror films in the last decade for sure. I think it has to be in your top five, and if it isn't, then, yeah, you're kind of crazy. But yeah, moving on to number two, and my number two, funny enough, is also probably my least violent or graphic film on my list, and that is M. Night Shyamalan's 2002 Masterpiece signs. And, you know, I love aliens. I love a good invasion film. But what M. Night Shyamalan or Shyamalanma Ding Dong or (laughs) Shyamalanian, however you want to pronounce my man's name, he's one of my favorite directors of all time. But there's something that I love so much about him is that obviously he has his twists, his subverting of expectations. But what he really does so well is taking something that is maybe broad or or so much so much bigger than what the film appears to be like a, for instance a comic book film or a superhero film and looking at a film that he made like Unbreakable which is this toned down drama and melodrama about a man basically on the verge of divorce is really what that movie's about and he does the same with an alien invasion film here he takes it down and he strips it down into a melodrama about faith and religion and I've always loved M. Night. He's from Pennsylvania. I mean, we have a lot of weird things in in similarity and in common, obviously coming from really close to the same region. He films a lot of his movies in Pennsylvania, but he also has a lot of interests that I really love, like when it comes to comic book movies, horror movies, the thrill that comes from, you know, alien invasions as well, and really focusing that on a family who runs a small farm, and it's an uh, ex-pastor who's now kind of retired because his wife passed away. And he's kind of lost his faith in the world. And M Knight does such a great job. He's one of the best, uh, like, kind of character actor or characters, uh, character directors who's so good at like molding and and working with actors to kind of form these very realistic characters. And I know a lot of people will like poo poo that and say he has some of the worst dialogue that's ever been written. But you know, I he can be hit or miss. I will always say that Shyamalan can be kind of hit or miss when it comes to some of his dialogue and some of those some of those beats but i really love signs mel gibson gives one of his greatest performances it is such a beautiful heartfelt movie and it does such a great job of taking a huge world global event like aliens invading and reducing it down into for example the birthday party scene where our characters are yeah, yeah, you can remember that now. You that can be stuck in your head forever. It's one of the scariest that
0: is, scenes in any movie. And it's oh, absolutely and there's
1: nothing to it besides an alien walking across the screen. Because it's the buildup of tension and our characters are watching it on TV and you know that like aliens are definitely coming, but you don't know when or how or will it be an attack. And there's something about it not even being like an attack or a jump scare. It's so blatant and open. And the alien just, like, walks across the frame, right? And it happens so fast. But there's something, like, it's giving me goosebumps just thinking about that now. Like, it is such a creepy, horrifying moment. And what an incredible score. I, I absolutely love the score from Science. I mean, ugh, I can go on and on about this movie. But it is so great. Every... Every detail about this movie is absolutely wonderful. And it really comes down to how great the the characters are and, and the story. And I just, I love it. It's it's a, a movie that has so much tension and, and horror, but it also has so much heart. And it's about the discussion of, you know, faith and, and believing and, and whether you can believe after something so horrific happens to you. So I absolutely love Signs. If you haven't seen Signs from 2002, I think it'll definitely change your opinion about my boy M. Night.
0: Yeah, I, they, you know, M. Night, I think post The Village is not his best, but The Village is a great uh, movie to me. And I love that twist. I love the horror in that. And uh, The Signs is definitely a movie that I remember watching as a kid that left me on the edge of my seat and made me feel, especially that birthday party scene. I was like, oh my God, okay, just breathe, Ben. You're good. You're good. It's just a movie. <laughs> You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And um yeah, so I definitely agree with that. So I guess without further ado, I will reveal my number one and my number one is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the 1974 movie directed by Tobe Hooper. And this movie, good old Leatherface is exactly why I love it so much. I love the character, the monster, this in. enigmatic enigmatic, mysterious creature that you never see the real face you just they wear other people's faces runs around with a chainsaw all these jump scares body horror it's gory and for 1974 it was pretty shocking to see all that in a movie it's pretty experimental the movie the ending is so twisted uh and then the ending with him swinging the chainsaw around as it and I feel like uh, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker kind of ripped that off, and when he's doing his whole <laughs> dance after kills, he's just so blissful, and it's like this happy, like ballerina dance with with a chainsaw at the end that I just love so much. I love that you know the Toe Hooper was like this is based on true events, and reading upon that, he was trying to attract a wider audience, and it's like a subtle commentary on the political climate of that time and how, and I think, and it's a response to Vietnam that because we were showing so much gore on our own televisions of showing the war that to just do it in a movie felt like a commentary on it, that we can go to all these extremes now because we've revealed so much horror in the world. And, you know, it's just such a, such a great experimental movie that movie, I can I understand if people are like, well, that's like a little schlocky when you look back on it. But for 1974, it wasn't like that. This is like the first true kind of, one of the first, I can't like say it's the first, but it's probably one of the first like true slasher movies to come out and inspire so much like from that point forward. It's definitely a heavy inspiration on the horror genre as a whole. And uh, I absolutely loved it. And I said that there is um, a character I dressed up as. I know I said I wore the Scream Mask probably once, but I definitely remember fifth grade, getting the Leatherface costume. I had a toy chainsaw. I put the mask on, put the apron on. I wore it to school, and uh, I don't think many kids really got like what the hell is Ben wearing. But I was like, it's Leatherface. Come on, it's good old <laughs> Leatherface, right? Come on, guys. So yeah, I'm yeah. a big, big Texas Chainsaw Massacre fan. I, all the other ones that come out after it are, I I like them a lot. I know the 2002 is kind of goofy after I, I watched it recently and i remember as a kid being so scared watching that and then watching it recently i was like oh this wasn't scary at all but then there are other iterations of texas chainsaw massacre where it's pretty oh my god like what the hell and, and like i oh mean i forget the one where uh and i get in spoilers for this one there's one where you think the girl's getting away and then at the end of it just you Leatherface sticks the chainsaw through her from the back of the of the car and she just drives off the road and kills like a cop inadvertently and he just drags the chainsaw walking away again. And it's so just like this character is so much you can do with it that I think I, I'd be happy with more Texas Chainsaw movies. I'd be happy if, if they redid that character more and more. So um big fan of it. That's my
1: number one Texas Chainsaw massacre. Yeah, that's why I was kind of hinting at you were saying that there's not that much violence and, and visceral kind of gore but man that movie is haunting and disturbing and just so violent in a way that's not like you're not really directly seeing people getting their heads cut off but like seeing like skin for a chair or a lamp or like people's skulls like it was like one of the first times you would like have ever seen anything like that and it's so fucking creepy the way the movie is filmed with all the intense close-ups and the way like her eyes, you know, I really just think of like the dinner table sequence when I think of that original movie and just how disturbing that is. And like, I remember the first time I watched that probably like a decade ago and thinking like, this is like way too disturbing. Like how the hell was this even made? It feels so real that it's, it's kind of crazy that they were able to pull off something like that, especially in 1974. And it's so funny that that's your number one, because only four years later, My favorite and my number one horror movie of all time is 1978's Halloween, which, you know, only comes out four years later. But it also is credited as being like, you know, one of the defining slasher films that kind of like carry on the genre. And it's funny because obviously they're both from the 70s. They both show their age and Maybe some of the cliches of the t- the films of the '70s, but it's crazy how different these two films are when you compare, like Halloween and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and <clears throat> Halloween. Like they're both very independent, uh, low budget films for the time, but Halloween is so much more of a straightforward kind of slasher film where you have Michael who kind of escapes and is just on a rampage, nonstop, just chasing after. Uh, these local babysitters in this town of Hattonfield. And the movie is so simple. And I think when a lot of people go back and they're like, oh, people talk about this as being one of the best horror movies of all time. And they go back and they see like our lead killer getting like stabbed by a knitting needle. And they're like, what? Like this isn't very engaging or dynamic. But, you know, I think this movie is, is still very scary. It has a part in me that like I watched when I was a young kid and there's something about horror films where there's a likelihood or a possibility that they could happen that makes it even more terrifying to me and I think there's a there's no better perfect example of a horror film that could happen other than Halloween which is just you know someone gone a little rogue gone too far and goes down this crazy rabbit hole of becoming a, a serial killer And obviously it does such a great job of defining fall, what Halloween looks like, you know, having all the trick or treaters, having the kids with the babysitters and how that kind of became a core part of the franchise. And moving forward, the franchise gets so messy and we're now on the third kind of ending iteration to the series with Halloween ends that came out this year. So, just as a series as a whole it's been all over the place and crazy and it's had its ups and downs and I just still go back to the original and just see this is such a damn good movie a a movie that is has like stuff that you may not remember like with some of the characters talking uh to like the the cop in the film and how there's like maybe some side conversations and maybe some of the dialogue of of the teens is a little just not it's not the best it's a little on the nose and some of the performances are not the best but what this film does is create such a great atmosphere and it creates such a great atmosphere of, of what Haddonfield is like as a town how we're set directly in fall and halloween even though this is all filmed in uh, los angeles i believe But it also creates such a terrifying killer, this kind of blank face of Michael Myers and how he just kind of walks and walks and walks and he's always following you and he's always going to catch up to you. And that nature of just truly being terrified of this presence, the shadow as they call him, and and this kind of figure that – is so haunting and obviously you have the amazing carpenter music that is kind of propelling us forward and and pushing us forward and it's like there's no way the movie would be nearly as good if it weren't for that iconic score of halloween and you know john carpenter has had a ups and downs in his careers as well I just watched Vampires by John Carpenter recently and that movie was terrible it was so bad he made it like 20 years later after Halloween and I couldn't believe how bad it was and that this was the same filmmaker but Halloween I think stands up still I think it's a film that I'll definitely show my kids when they're older and and they'll watch it and and be probably just as scared as I was at the time and and it just has created a character like michael myers who is standard who has stood the test of time and now 40 years later 50 years almost later we're still seeing this character in cinemas and loving his adventures and his his murder rampages you know i love halloween so so much the way they kind of build up the mystery of of what is evil and how that can kind of personify in, in a human being and how that kind of is truly relatable to a lot of us you know we always were scared as a kid in the dark or looking out or you know wondering if there's someone out there who is a troubled character that could maybe cause some harm I think it's a constant fear that we all have and it really just taps perfectly into that and obviously I mean Jamie the Critic is wonderful she's one of the best final girls she's probably our last real final girl left in film and, I mean, what, what else can you say about Jamie Lee Curtis? She's wonderful and has such a soft presence in a movie that is so nonstop and, and kind of uh, abusive towards her character. So Halloween is wonderful. I'm sure most everyone has seen it. Um, but it also it was a film that I watched when I was younger, so it really stuck with me. You know, The opening scene of Michael killing his younger sister, it was so inventive to me you know and not having seen the internet at the time and not having seen all these youtubers film so much first person content and being used to that and seeing something from like a first person point of view and then being it like a murder like very much in a node and uh to a psycho and and that famous iconic shower scene it just continued to kind of push horror forward and we still see how it's kind of affected the horror genre as, as a whole and It's it still, I think, is one of the best slasher films and my favorite horror film of all time. Ben, where do you stand on Halloween? Uh, What what do you feel about uh, maybe the series as a whole and especially the original 1978 classic?
0: Oh, I think it's, you know, you said at the beginning, it's uh, a a landmark kind of movie to further the genre and its importance, and I think a character... Uh, like you're talking about, like Michael Myers, this sinister, faceless, you know, killer on the loose is what can drive like really good horror. And it's a it's a great movie. It's it hits every beat. there. So I think there's a lot. I know you're really into the sequels and, and how the franchise has developed. Uh, I think there's a lot you can do, and I'm sure there's going to be more Halloween movies the kind of they like halloween does not end you know john it is going to keep going forever and ever on i can't wait for halloween forever the 20th installation of the uh <laughs> of the halloween franchise but it it, it 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 but i'm saying that because it, it really can't keep going and going and going with a faceless character with you know with not with just like michael myers he's this killer it's going to come after you like you, it's so iconic that um the i think to say anything else about it would be to disregard it it's important to the horror genre just like with texas chainsaw massacre you know nightmare on elm street um friday the 13th like those four are like the core i think of horror movies and since the 70s and 80s i think those are what have driven the genre uh to where it is today
1: yeah yeah you're absolutely right and You know, we we get some of the very violent, like the hostels, the saws and uh, the uh, final destinations that come from like the mid 2000s. And then we have, you know, the revival of Blumhouse and the Warner Brothers kind of horror universe with The Conjuring and these kind of ghost films like Insidious and and demon films like Insidious and Conjuring. And that's kind of where we've gone, which has been nice. It's been very stylized and, and kind of. They're great to look at. I think Warner Brothers always makes and puts a good, decent amount of money into these films. But uh, you're right. These these horror legends are always going to be with us, very much like the universal classic monsters that we kind of talked a little bit about as well. And, you know, there's so much horror and there's so many kind of ways that people end series and end horror films that, I wanted. To, I was thinking about like how to end this podcast, and I think there's no better way to end the podcast by discussing how to end a horror film, and I think that is always such a hard thing to really land on because there's two sides of it. There is the quote unquote happy ending to horror films. Uh, let's use Halloween's not the best example, but. Let, okay, let's use Scream as an example, right? We figure out who the killer is, we stop the killer, our final girl survives, she's maybe you know, beat up and lost some of her friends, but she's alive, she made it out, she's successful. So we either go that route, or we go down the rabbit hole of, uh, of The Mist. Your example of, of The Mist being such a traumatic, harsh ending to a very bleak film. You know, and I think a lot of films and I think it happens pretty often where films have multiple endings and they kind of decide with testing audiences or internal decisions whether it should be one way or the other. But there's always that question of what is better. Should we end on this last scary horror beat or should we leave them with success of a completed journey? We kind of defeated evil. You know, maybe we can hint that the evil can come back or we can have a sequel still but tell me your thoughts on on the perfect horror ending. I think that it should be
0: a horror beat. I think that the happy ending is uh a little too wishful thinking i I like it when it ends on on a horror note, on a low note, on a one final gotcha kind of thing. Um, you know, and so I, I think that that's how that that's how I would end a horror movie if it was my choice, it would definitely be. What's one last knife I can put in this corpse? Like, what? What's one last wound I can <laughs> open up? What's one last thing I can do? What's one last jump scare? You know, sinister laugh. <laughs> Absolutely. That I can put in there. Uh, you know, maybe just like a little cut to black, and that's just it. You roll credits. You know, put the. Again, like I going back to what I said before about smile. Like the way it ends, and the and just the abruptness of it, and then just the the, the was a song lollipop lollipop Oh lot like yeah, that yeah. like that thing is just like what the fuck like why <laughs> i think like that yep that like leaves you so uh, like kind of a shell of yourself like walking out of the movie i was just like oh, okay all right let's uh okay, i'm gonna walk <laughs> to these dark streets now yay great so that that, you know, that what about
1: you? What, do you what do you think about endings of horror I do love the the kind of last knife in the chest. I I do love the way you kind of phrase that. And I think there is there's certainly the time and place for that. And I think certain horror films definitely they definitely work better that way. And I think they probably thought of maybe a happy, happy alternate ending to smile. And either this was the original ending or they had both and they decided to go with a, a darker ending. And it does fit the movie, and I think it also gets an audience to want to go back and watch that film again and, or they'll tell their friends and like, Oh, just wait for how crazy the ending is. And that kind of a very abrupt, just like smash to the face ending makes you want to go back and rewatch the movie and be like, I want to experience that ending again. So there's definitely some value in that. And also the value of like the last thing you'll remember is the very end. And I think a good example of what you're mentioning uh, or kind of speaking of is nightmare on Elm street, the iconic ending to that movie where, you have them kind of successful. She kind of gets away. Again, she lost all of her friends, but she's alive and her mother's alive. But then there's a gotcha at the end, you know, like Freddie's still out here. He's kidding you know, rips her mom through the front door window. And it's so 80s and goofy and ridiculous. But it is another kind of gut punch to kind of end the film in, in a dramatic ending of the film. And I, it's also why I love Halloween so much is because of the ending and it does, it it has its cake and eats it too. It, it does both where it is a successful ending where, you know, she got away, she survived, the cops finally show up, but Michael's gone. And we're just seeing, you know, empty shots all around Haddonfield of just, is he there? Is he in the frame? He's not. He's just, is, could he be somewhere hiding? You know, the, the thoughts of uh, not knowing is usually like the scariest thing in horror I think people always say that, like not seeing something or not knowing if something's in the darkness or the shadows is a lot terrifying than sometimes seeing it directly lit, you know, on film. So I, I just love the ending of Halloween. I think that is like such a perfect example of, you know, we can kind of leave this open if we want to continue it, but the ending also signifies how our leading character kind of feels. Like she's kind of hollow and, and very d- disturbed by what happened and she's kind of left to worry, will this person... Uh, come back ever again? Will the person hunt me down and find me again? And and that's something so scary about that. And I, I always think of that and something like It Follows, which is kind of a newer film that kind of leaves you with that kind of haunting, chilling ending. So yeah, I think there's a lot of different endings that you can kind of take down and uh, maybe work better with certain horror films. And I don't really think there is a perfect horror film. I think there's perfect horror endings or perfect horror endings for horror films but you know there definitely are perfect endings for certain films and certain horror films it just has to be the right kind of tone you know I think it really comes smile is a very tongue-in-cheek film not just in terms of obviously uh, there's a lot of smiling characters but it's like it knows what it's doing it it has a hundred plus years of you know horror history to kind of play off of and and kind of mess with the viewer with all the jump scares it's very tongue-in-cheek of being this kind of like monster you know, demon entity film. So it's a very smart way to kind of end that with like a gut punch at the end where you think you're going to get away, but you don't. So it works very well for that film. But Ben, is there anything else that you would like to kind of hit on with our Halloween special of 2022 or anything else you want to mention about the great horror films that we spoke about today? You'll float too, John.
0: You'll float too. Oh, hi, Georgie. <laughs> How are you, Georgie. No, I, I uh, no, it's kind of it. I think we really hit on it. I love talking, about the horror genre, I think it's a genre that is there's so much to explore and watch and see, that, and I think it, it's a genre that the filmmakers and audiences have truly grasped. I don't know why. I think people just love being shocked. They love the the adventure, the entertainment of, of chaos, and I think that it could, it's so surreal and so fantastical, but yet so real and so you know rooted in oh well these this could i could see a person go on a murderous rampage like this i think that's what makes it stand out so much uh among audiences so uh keep watching horror love this time of the year and uh you know
1: it's a dark and stormy night my freaky little friends (laughs) (laughs) thank you for listening my name is john and i'm ben and and this is worthy
0: Thanks for listening to Worthy, the breakdown of every Best Picture winner from past to present. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on Instagram at Worthy Podcast, on Twitter at Worthy Pod, and on Facebook at Worthy Podcast. Any inquiries can be submitted to submissions at gmail.com. Again, that's submissions at gmail.com.